0: Welcome to the Rheology Podcast. My name is Scott Johnson. Now, I don't have degrees in theology or the Bible. I'm really just a regular guy who loves and follows God, but wanted to know if there was more to what I was experiencing in the world of Christianity, and more specifically, the church. This podcast is the collection of a journey to dig much deeper into the realm of faith. And Rheology is the study of the do-over, and it's founded on the philosophy and principle of stopping and thinking of what we're doing and why we're doing it especially when it comes to what I know about God, Jesus, and ultimately, what all this has to do with me. Hey, today I'm talking with Joey Dermar, who is is the—he's with Global City Mission Initiative, and he is out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. I came to know Joey way back when, and he married one of my ex-youth group gals from back in the day of youth ministry while I was in Conyers, Georgia. So, uh, Joey, thanks again, man, for being willing to be yeah. on this episode. I really appreciate it,
1: man. I thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to uh, to talk and I'm excited to share. So
0: cool, yeah. Well, cool. um, a few weeks ago, I reached out to Joey to, to chat and to catch up on life, and I'd noticed uh, previously that he had moved from a church ministry to a new gig with Global City Mission Initiative, as I just mentioned, which is an organization that's centered on helping. To make disciples and to help other ministries, including churches, to do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And that move piqued my interest. And I thought that he would make a great partner for Rheology. And, you know, since we're both trying to accomplish the same things. And after the conversation, I immediately knew that I needed to interview him for an episode. So, how about we start here with maybe you can kind of back, you know, go back a little bit and kind of talk about, you know, how you got into ministry and, and, and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, I got my call into ministry, uh, senior year in high school, you know, um, I wouldn't say it was anything, uh, crazy. You know, I didn't have like, you know, the heavens open up or anything. It was just a feeling that I was like, man, I just really feel like I want to serve, uh, the Lord and I want to serve the church. Um, and so I, I, when I was a senior in high school I, I graduated high school went to ACC which is now Point University that's where I met my wife April um, and uh, once once we came out of there I we moved to Florida and I started doing youth ministry and that was really where I thought I would spend my career that was that was it mm-hmm. and then um, about a year and a half in senior guy at the church I was at left um, and I'm kind of left the only guy on staff uh, at a small church in Florida, about 80 people. And so, um, you know, I was just preaching, leading worship, doing kids ministry the whole time for, for another six months or so, I think it was, maybe, maybe a little shorter than that. And I just really enjoyed preaching and some of the people in the church really responded to it. Uh, after doing some interim, I, I eventually became the senior minister of the church. It was there until 2012. Um once we kind of had our daughter, we were there for a little bit longer and then we moved back here to Georgia where I am now. And uh again transitioned. I was a senior uh leader, uh senior minister at a church, uh lead pastor at a church here in the area where I was at. Um after did that for about three years or so, and then transitioned from there to do discipleship ministry. I was a discipleship pastor, and I've done that for the last six um before transitioning into where I am now at Global City Mission.
0: Okay. So the question would be and I mean obviously you know I've already talked about this but um can you talk a little bit about like when was it when did you start first start feeling that maybe you know there there's more than kind of what you had been experiencing in the world of being a pastor in a church.
1: Yeah. So it's funny the, the seeds of it really started within six years ago. Like the seeds I can see now were planted early on, literally from the moment I stepped into this last position I was in, I ended up meeting some guys who were, who were doing, uh, disciple making movement kind of stuff, DMM kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and just started hanging out with those guys. Um, mainly at a desire to understand discipleship better. Cause that was my job. Right. I was, you know, right. I'm the disciples of pastor. I didn't know how to disciple people. And <laughs> right. it was funny. I, as I, as I spent more time with them, the less the real, I realized I knew less about cycling people than I thought I did. Yeah. Um, and I was just intrigued by the simplicity of that. Um, and really they, in their own way, it's not in a very upfront way, but just in a spending life together kind of way, they, they just really began to challenge my view of like, Hey man, what's really important? What really, What? why Why is this stuff really that important in the church? You mm-hmm. know, wh- why are some of these things that we sort of feel like are really important, are important? And yeah. then about three years in, so halfway through my time there, it just was starting to hit me more and more. And, and to be honest, I was really hitting a wall of frustration mm-hmm. because more and more, I just became disillusioned with what i saw were big deals in the church things that i mean i i mean i was trained to do this stuff Yeah. but then i was reading the scriptures and i was going this is just not the same like i am right. just really becoming frustrated with the 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 separation between what i see in the scriptures and what i see in, in the christian life mm-hmm. um and so the, i i began to really dive more and more into um that i read different books i mean i read letters to the church that was really probably the most influential book at the time Mm -hmm. um and and it actually the funny thing is it made me stop reading books for three years um and i just concentrated on reading scripture like i didn't read any other book i didn't read anything else i was just like i'm gonna spend the next three years reading the bible cover to cover every day you know like through the year but just reading every day Mm -hmm um and i was just felt that pull and the more i did it the more i was like god we are so off base mm-hmm. um, and and i'm i'm just spinning my wheels doing stuff and concentrating on things that just don't matter right in the grand scheme of things yeah, yeah. So yeah um and it's in that process it was over those years that i learned about um GCMI, Global City Mission, we'll talk more about in a minute, but because mm-hmm. I have a buddy of mine uh, that I knew from Florida that made the transition to working for them. And so we he would come through town and we would have dinner or lunch and catch up. And I'd want to hear about it. And in those last three years, I really was feeling this need, a desire to move out of ministry, like traditional ministry, wanting to almost really consider missions. Like I was almost like, maybe we should just go to a foreign country because Mm -hmm. it would be so much easier.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I just need uh, that in my mind. That's
2: what I thought. Right. Right. Just
1: let's get rid of this cultural context that I find myself in of what church is. And let's just start from scratch. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of was like, looking for that kind of is that even a reality could i do that would that would that even look like yeah Um, and it was interesting because gcmi was very similar or global city mission was very similar to the dmm stuff that i had um been already kind of a part of and started doing on my own with these guys i met yeah It wasn't a huge it was almost like wow here's here's another organization that's actually doing this Mm because the guys i knew were just just guys, they weren't really a part of an organization. They were just guys who, um, are doing sort of real discipleship oriented stuff. So mm-hmm. I was just like, yes, uh, this is something that I want to do. Yeah. So we, you know, September, 2020, I, I they had a position open, um, and, um, I was talking to my wife about it, April, and she was like, I really feel like that's something that you would be good at and and so we started talking and you know a year later i was launching full-time into gcmi
0: yeah so talk about what that looks like what you know you you talked about uh, you know knowing somebody who's already doing that what Mm -hmm. what is what is gcmi about what's what's what are they about and what do they specifically do tangibly
1: yeah so gcmi global uh, global City Missions, we are a disciple-making church planting organization um, who plants simple churches, um, and our vision is to see disciple-making movements in global cities around the world, starting in North America. So our vision as, a, as an organization really is about how do we reach um, people, uh, especially those who may have migrated or immigrated here uh, for the gospel Mm -hmm. and we're doing it in very simple uh, reproducible ways because we're focused on we want to make disciples not just attenders right Um, so we don't plant churches in the normal sense of building brick and mortar Mm -hmm. um, organ we plant house churches that start off as discovery Bible studies and grow into that so Really, we're doing three things. One is we're doing cross-cultural evangelism. Um, two, we're also wanting to equip believers, individual believers, mm-hmm. um, to better embody the Great Commission in their own life. As well as we're in, we help churches uh, to sort of better reach their communities through evangelism trainings, discipleship trainings, coaching. This sort of stuff yeah because because we want to help churches develop a missional heart to, to see their 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 church uh the communities as mission fields but then also to actually make disciples yeah right you know um and so with gcmi in mobilization is i am uh, in one front i do missionary recruitment and development but the other end the part that i feel particularly passionate about it's my giftedness. I think it's and it's still, I believe, a calling. Is um, the church equipping and church partnering part? I love to see. I want to help the body of Christ be the body of Christ um, mm-hmm. and really try to be a voice in church back to the what I see in the scriptures, which is a real central focus on disciple making. Yeah, um, and not just attendance based tenders, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing.
0: So what's the process of finding um, a missionary that's willing to do that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we, a lot of what we do right now is is you know, looking for those college kids that are interested in, in it. But I've also, one of the things that we're running into, we, you know, through databases and talking with uh, churches and, uh, Uh, to go into conferences. We're also seeing a lot of people who are in the second phase of life, Mm -hmm. uh, hitting retirement age, going, I just want to do something special with the last years that I have. Right. Um, And what's interesting to me is how many people in in their 60s are looking at the church and going, is this really what Jesus wanted from us? Is this really... the, the focus that we're supposed to have. Right. It's been, it's been really amazing to see not just young adults, but also seniors starting to go, man, I just want to, I just want to be a disciple maker because I think that's who Jesus was. And I want to embody that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's finding those kinds of people helping them get um, simple training and equipping. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, we're, our training is not, does not require seminary degree. Like we're not, yeah producing people who need to go to college right necessarily we we believe that discipleship you know when we look at the scriptures we can we can see what jesus did and we can do and jesus released authority to his people to do them and so you know we teach um you know we have a a disciple making cohort which is that we lead individuals through that is just evangelism on the front end simple conversational evangelism Mm -hmm. um and uh the second half is um, is open, starting Bible discussions with lost people. So I um, engage people and say, hey, would you like to read the Bible? And leading people to Christ. Just looking at God's Word, having discussions with people. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what our mission catalysts do every day, yeah. every week. And, and you don't have to be someone with a college education to do it. You yeah. don't have to be someone with a master's degree in church planting to do it. You can just, you know, these are simple, reproducible tools because we want to be a catalytic ministry that's starting um, a real movement. So, you know, keep things really intentional, simple uh, for people.
0: And it's funny because, you know, and you and I talked about this, this has been the model, you know, forever for a long, long time that only qualified people were allowed or, you know, were able to have any kind of role in doing anything um outside of you know just attending a church service right you know yep. giving their tithe working in the children's ministry and then maybe bringing a buddy on chris on on Easter and christmas right. and yeah so i'm sure that um <laughs> i can only imagine there's plenty of people that don't have the first clue on um the first step of making a disciple. I mean, and, and yeah. that's, that's a sad state to think about. That even people who have been sitting in church for a long time, we've we've really done a horrible job of, of, you know, doing something as simple as starting a conversation, an or, an organic, authentic conversation with a neighbor. Yeah, that it yeah. isn't like based upon um, you know, ulterior motives of like I'm trying to get them to church. You right. Yeah. um, it's just simple. I'm, I want to, I want to care about them. I want to be a good neighbor. I want to be a good friend. Um, yeah. it's surprising about these seniors too, surprising and encouraging. Yeah. You know, Cause like most people think, well, I can't wait till retirement and then I'm just going to sit around and do whatever I want to do. Yeah. You know, and there's really no retirement from being a follower of Jesus or a disciple maker. Yeah. But, um, yeah. that's been the case. So that, that's, that's really surprising and, and encouraging that that's actually the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was shocked to, uh, by it too, how mm-hmm. many people were running into in their, literally in their sixties, um, hitting that retirement age going, man, I just, I don't want to sit back and just hit golf balls all day. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be meaningful, have yep. a meaningful impact for the kingdom. Yeah. So yep. I hope that I can share that same spirit <laughs> forever. You know, I yeah, want yeah. that same spirit.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Rob and I talk about it all the time. I'll, I'll probably never get to a point where I'm actually retired. I don't, I don't, right. that's just not me. Number yeah. one, I got to be doing something, but number two, I, I definitely believe we're put here to be, you know, you know, in the people business because God's in the people business. So therefore yeah, it should never really ever end. Um, so let me ask this. Um, because and, and, this is something that was when we first when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that I didn't didn't really realize you were doing this, but was like kind of honestly kind of blown away that you're really going after and targeting minority groups of citizens in the United States that are from a different sure. country. So it's literally yeah. missional work inside the United States.
1: Yes. Yeah. So. Back up just a little bit. The 21st century, one of the things I say about the 21st century is it's going to be known for globalization. Um, and I mean, we're seeing some of it already now just with this Ukrainian situation. Yeah, absolutely. How many refugees, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is the 21st century, the sociologists will say that the mark of the 21st century is going to be this idea of globalization, that the world is no longer just an isolated bunch of countries, but it's actually becoming a globalized world. And so, you know, they estimate pre, pre-Ukraine, pre-even 2020, it's estimated that right now somewhere in the world, 300 million people live outside of their country of origin, just period. Yeah, wow. The United States has conservative estimates, put it at 50-something million, probably more closer to 80 to 100 million people who live in places outside of the country of origin. Hmm. And, so, and these people are not ending up anymore just in New York City or in Los Angeles. They're, right. they're coming to places like Atlanta. Yeah. Like Chicago, like Dallas, like Phoenix.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Phoenix right now is one of the main hubs for Syrians. For some reason, that's just where oh, really? they're migrating to. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. my, they're migrating to, to, to Syria. So um, we actually have a team in Philadelphia that is reaching Syrians, that's reaching Afghanis, who's reaching um, all these different people groups mm-hmm. that quite honestly, when you start thinking about the country they came from, you can't go there or you yeah. can't go there openly, right. but yet the Lord has put them on our doorstep. Yeah. So that's one of the things that we talk a lot about. It's like the harvest is plentiful. God is giving us a harvest. Um, and that, which really for me shapes a lot of some of the, the the things that I want to tell churches about, because we can see these people coming into our country as a problem, or we can see them as an opportunity. Yeah, uh, That's really a matter of choice, but I think, I think God has given us an opportunity to reach them, mm-hmm. you know, to to love them, and yeah. so yeah. I mean, just in the city I live in, Atlanta, I mean, we have one of the fastest growing Southeast Asian populations in the country. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, twenty minutes from where I am, we have a Korean population almost twenty two thousand strong, um, that is growing and growing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we also. Work cross culturally, and we want to help churches work, work cross culturally too. Yeah, Um, if they can.
0: Well, speaking so. of that, so what does it look like? I mean, when you go and and I mean, how do you find a church? I mean, and I'm I'm saying this because you know, obviously, we're from a lot of different churches that typically are not really thinking outside of their own building a lot of times, right? So right. What does it look like for you, and what's a process for you to get in touch with the church to help them start thinking outside of the box a little bit? Are they already kind of there? Do you feel like you're trying to, you know, work them into understanding the facts of the case or or a little bit of both? What's, what does that kind of look like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of us reaching out to churches. One of the things I personally do is I'm reaching out to churches that I see the community around them is drastically different than the way I know it used to be. So you have a church who's sitting there and I know that sitting there going, man, this community is completely different than I remember being, what are we going to do? And I'm I'm reaching out and saying, Hey, can we talk? Let's yeah. talk about the let's talk how, how do we, how can you reach them
3: yeah
1: honestly a lot of our, our our work now is through an evangelism training that we offer we'll come to a church do a three-hour seminar um where we train people to have what we call healthy uh, relational evangelism which mm-hmm. is just engaging in healthy spiritual conversations with people mm-hmm. in a way that is loving respectful uh, but also truthful right. so we believe you can do all of those things um and it doesn't matter what culture the other person's coming from you can do it with anyone um and so we're we start there but we're actually wanting to really move into coaching and helping churches who are interested in to go beyond that and actually wanting to release their people into the community to start discovery bible studies um you know to be frank with you one of the things that i i'm running into is i run into a more and more pastors who are interested in that, mm-hmm. but they're scared because mm-hmm. they're not sure their people or their leadership will be behind that. Right. And that's that right now is is probably one of the, I just, I've, I was having lunch a couple of days, weeks ago with a guy and I could tell that was his situation. Yeah. Like He was like, man, I, I think we need a change the way we're doing stuff. But I also know he's super ingrained into the way they used to do things.
0: Sure, so, sure well i mean you yeah, that i mean that comes to my mind of you know it wasn't very long ago, just probably about, you know ten years ago where missional church planting was kind of the new you know marketing strategy for yeah, planting right. churches right so mm-hmm. it's it, it goes from seeker, seeker sensitive to you know um whatever and then you know and missional was was one of those little those little one of those little little marketing ploys that we kind of bought into the reality is obviously we didn't, you know, we didn't truly believe no. in, <laughs> you know, no. we weren't we weren't inspired by the Holy spirit to go and do this. We just kind of thought, no. Hey, this is a way we can get people to come in and be a part of our church. I can't yeah. imagine that that still, as you're kind of hinting around there that that, that doesn't still exist and, almost to the point of like the question would be for you. And I wonder if you get this, I'm sure you probably do is like, what's this, what's in it for us kind of a deal. You yeah. Know what I mean, Oh yeah. I mean,
1: and that's always the question, right? The, the number one question I know that's going to come from someone, whether it may not be that necessarily the, the quote unquote pastor or minister, it may come from a leader. Mm-hmm. How do we get them back here? Right. How do we get them back here? That's yeah. going to be the question. Yeah. Um, and it's, what's funny to me is how many I've, but also is how many young churches or young guy, younger guys um, who I run into and they want to ask the same
0: question. Seriously.
1: Yeah. Gosh. I had lunch the other, I had a lunch a couple months ago with um, a, a friend of mine who the entire lunch he boasted about and I love him and I don't want to speak ill of him, but he you know, he was very excited about how unconventional their church was. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about a particular struggle that their church was having. And so I suggested something that I thought he would be up for. Oh, you want to talk about unconventional? How about this? What if we did this? Right. And, and it was funny to me how conventional he immediately went. Immediately. Well, but we still got to have this kind of programming. Why? Where, where in this book does it say you have to have that kind of program? Right. You know, where in that book does it say that it has to look like that? where in this book says that those people you're connecting with have to come back to your building. Oh, well, but no, da da no. Yeah. Yeah. So even this very guy who wants to say he's very it's there. I reflectively I refer to him as non-traditional traditionalists. Yeah. Because it's like,
0: you, I used you, to call you, it you, the new traditional church.
1: Yeah. Right. You just have, you're just, you're, you're running into a great opportunity. God mm-hmm. is presenting you a great opportunity to step outside the box yeah. and be okay. And yet you, you're just immediately going back to the box. Right. And some of that, frankly, in my opinion, is training and yes. teaching. Sure. It's sure. education. Sure. Cause absolutely. that's, you know, you were talking about, um, don't know how to make disciples. The truth of the matter is, is that there are probably a lot of pastors who don't know how to make disciples.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Because we weren't trained to make disciples. No. We were trained to be CEOs and to, run an organization.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um I was just telling an older guy at a church last night this very thing. I said, you know, the problem we're running into is reality mm-hmm. of of the of, on the ground mm-hmm. and the needs of the of the lost and the education that new guys are getting are so out of whack with one another. Yeah. That when guys are going to get on the ground, they're going to come in and they're they're just going to they're going to fizzle out not yeah. because they don't have a genuine calling but because they don't know anything else to do. Yep. And they're so ingrained that they're afraid to even think outside the box because and this is the, this is the sad part of it. Because they've been taught that anything outside of that is unbiblical.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And that's 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 unfortunate. It is. Cuz like this is the biblical way of doing it. We have right. church services. Everyone gathers on Sunday and right right this and, and and while and the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized that's an interpretation of scripture, but that's not the only way that that could be done.
0: Right, exactly, and that's something that I've spent several episodes talking about the idea of what is church and what is ecclesia, and mm-hmm. um, and you and I were talking about you know that that the church is just one tool. Yeah, it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's it's definitely not you know, biblically mandated anywhere. Um, you know, but next to side-by-side to the Ecclesia, it's just one small avenue that the Ecclesia can use a tool, but it is funny. Um, I, you know, a lot of these guys and and you're, you're right on, you get, you go to, you know, college and you get a degree and you go in and you immediately think, and even church plants do this years later, you know, that I'm going to go in, I'm going to build it. And they get that you know, fill the dreams mentality that if I build it, yeah. they will come. And unfortunately, that mentality first started existing like 30 years ago in church. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like, guys, yeah. no, no, no. There's church plants everywhere, and I, I think um, I, that's the question I would think for you is like, how does the mentality change? I, I know that there are, there is a a generation of pastors who who did exactly what you did and I did. And are and are probably mm-hmm. doing it right now, of you know w- w- what are we doing here, and yeah. But there's also as a if you're a senior pastor, you probably don't experience it so much as a youth minister because you really are making disciples one on one with kids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But as a senior minister, there comes a point where you have to say, okay, I'm if I want things to be different, then I have to be okay with not being the main guy. The main yeah. thing, the spotlight, and everybody coming to yeah. hear me speak. Yeah. Instead, we got to be about something. It's just basically setting your pride aside. Do you yeah. is, or do you have, do you feel like you're getting guys that are that are really starting to do that and really allowing their pride to be nothing because they want more from God?
1: Uh, um, I think so. I think I'm, I mean I, I'm just t- speaking about guys that I know, right? I, I, I do, I think COVID helped, right? COVID, COVID has helped in that front because a lot of these guys spent COVID season and honestly, the church, they're coming out of COVID season mm-hmm. going, I, I don't know what to do mm-hmm. because COVID, COVID shifted our, our trajectory, you know, easily 10 years. Sure. You know, some yep. of these, in, in some cases. So they're looking, you know, something that the church had 10 years to prepare for, we had two years to deal with. And mm-hmm. now they're coming out and they're going, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so thankfully, in a way, that has brought some of these guys to a place of, okay, I, uh, this is this has got to change. I'm not sure. Um, you know, the the struggle again that they're going to have is going to be getting their church or their leadership behind them. Yeah, um, right. The, the other, you know, but then again, I've met plenty too that are so sold out that, it doesn't you know, matter. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, the, and the, I heard someone say one time, and this has been really powerful to me, because as a pastor, one of the things that we always want, you know, we'll read the church growth books. We'll read this. We'll read that. And we'll always go, Does, is this going to work? Is this going to work? And someone may even hear us talk about discipleship focus. and Well, is that really going to work? Mm-hmm. And I heard someone say one time, that's the wrong question right the wrong question isn't is it going to work the right the real question is is this what jesus wants right um and that's got to be the fundamental like am i doing what jesus really wants Mm -hmm. is this what he really wants for us Mm -hmm. is this what does this honor him and what we're doing yeah because honestly you know because that's how people are going. That's how a lot of guys judge it. If I go and I sit down and say, "Let's talk about communicate, you know, sharing the gospel, and we can plant discipleship ministries." The question when they start to say, well, "How do I get them back here?" That's really what they're wanting to know. Does it work? Is it going to help work and build my church more and more people? Yep. And I'm like, I'm not. I, I don't know. I mean, well, first off, I know if we're obedient to Jesus, it works. Like we're doing the kingdom, but mm-hmm. it's it's not about that. It's about yeah. what He wants.
0: Yeah. If it's obedient well, to your to the attendance. On Sunday morning, probably not. Right.
1: Yeah. The, you know, the thing I've been uh, pondering on is how to communicate a new paradigm because the old one's out of date. Yeah. You know, the old one that we're using, this almost funnel mentality of funneling people in through outreach events and this or that into Mm -hmm. the main Sunday morning thing and then moving them down. You know, that's the paradigm that we were taught. That's the paradigm that finding. 8% Eight percent of churches are using yeah yeah but that paradigm's not working anymore right and I'm trying to you know and and I'm trying to think about what a what's a better way to describe it that makes it easy I don't have
0: one it's, uh, it's but, difficult to um, communicate you know and you and I talked about this a little bit when you specifically when you use an one English word to mean four or five things the word church right. yeah. it muddies the water down so bad that you know we start to think that you know well Christ died for the church okay because we we define the ecclesia as church and then well well i guess he died for the the building cuz that's a church he died mm. for the event because that's church he died for the organization of or the overarching religion cuz that's church yeah. and so we, all, we we the the funnel's real simple because we think well we you know i've been talking to a guy about Jesus, the next step is what? Get him to church. Right. Yeah. You know, so because we, we put so much emphasis and so much focus on that being like super, super important. I, I've got a guy that I've been talking with and he says, listen, I, I know what you're saying and I hear what you're saying. I, I've, I understand the history and all that. But I still think, you know, that church is, is the, you know, is one of the most important things you need to do as a Christian. And I just say, listen, if you're talking about gathering together with other Christians, I, I completely agree. Yeah. But if you're talking about, you know, a, an official, you know, ordained, yeah, thing or an event or a place or whatever, then I don't agree at all. Um, because that's just one tool. And, you know, someone asked me, where'd you go to church? And I'm like, well, actually I've, I go to an online church every Tuesday night at, you know, eight, eight thirty, So yeah. I, and it's almost the mentality is like, well, that's not, well, okay. But I mean, it's not really, it's almost like yeah. it doesn't count somehow, you right. know? Yeah. And so it doesn't count unless you are funneled into that, that thing. But yeah. what, what is, I mean, what, what, what's the oldest church plant that you, that uh, GCMI has been a part of right now?
1: Oh man, uh, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. To be honest with you, I mean, I've what does been it look like a for a
0: church plant that you guys help launch? What's it look like, like five years down the road? Typically, what would oh you oh, oh
1: oh oh, I'm sorry. Now I understand what you're asking. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, for us, it's you know, is it a, they're meeting, they're gathering, but they're also multiplying. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we want to plant small rabbit, what we call rabbit churches that reproduce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and so for us, you know, obviously one of the big things in DMM and we're, we're, is getting into the fourth generation. So, you know, if we can get, um, churches to fourth generation, uh, but I'll tell you one of the stories that I've, I've loved sharing. And it is uh, a story about a Korean couple that got saved in New York city. They participated in one of our house churches, you know, migrants migrate. So they migrated back to, um, Korea. Mm-hmm. Of course, when they got there, they're like, well, this, you know, house church is all we know how to do. I mean, that's, that's what we were taught. And so right. They just started going out and sharing the gospel and they just started planting another church. And so they started planting churches in their own community there in Korea. Well, then the husband, he, he gets, um, he's got to go come back to the States, but he's going to California this time to work he's there and he's like, honey, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of lost. I don't uh, I miss my church family. And his wife's like, well, go plant some more churches. So he said, okay. So here he is. He's back in California. Yeah. And he starts he starts reaching out to guys he works with. And he starts reaching out to, to other Koreans that he knows he's sharing the gospel.
2: Yeah.
1: And he starts a church there um, with some guys from the work he's doing. Yeah. So, you know, that's that kind of ability, you know, when, when you're talking about churches that are you know we're, we're just we're hunkered down to the Word of God, would obe- you know obedience based discipleship, here's what Jesus says we want to live that way. Um, you know and we can we can rapidly multiply and we can empower more generations to come. You know I still think for us as an organization, developing, churches to the point where even in a house church there's maybe some good healthy leadership and development we're still at that sort of new beginning phase for us Mm -hmm. Um, i still think we still have to work on some of that yeah um for sustainability right long term because i do think there's i do believe in biblical leadership but again i don't think that your biblical leaders require you to be bible educated necessarily right right from it from an ordained institution mm-hmm. um, yeah i just i don't think that's the case and in fact i think that's for uh, those of us like you and me and others who have that kind of education i think that's actually the opportunity for us like how do we use this education well let's pass it on yeah. to the people in our in our groups yeah you know? yeah
3: no so. doubt
0: no doubt i mean in um you know it it and it never gets to a point because cause you're not making cars right you know right. you're not making cars at all you're not you're not manufacturing anything you're you're allowing for organic discipleship yep. relationships to happen so you're trying right. to find the nice greenhouse effect right so that all the the you know the climate's right for for that and yeah. um and it's never perfected. It's never because it changes and people are different and whatever. But just gives them the op- opportunity, like you said, it empowers them to like take it and go and allow God yeah. to lead them. That's one thing yep. too. Like it's it's always difficult thinking about being a pastor. And sometimes I've always thought, well, it's like I'm the I'm the voice to the people, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's like a priest, you know, because yeah. God has a relationship with these people just as much as He has with me. I can be a leader and an encourager, but what I should really be encouraging is for them to have their own relationship with the Holy Spirit so that they can be led as well. So and that's the multiplication part, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, right.
1: Wow. Um, One of the things that I like to encourage guys to do, I mean, just read Luke 8, 9, and 10. Mm -hmm. Just read that three section of Scripture Mm -hmm. and just notice what Jesus does. You know, Jesus starts in Luke 8. He he does things. And then in 9 and 10, he empowers people to do those same things. Right. Right. And that, to me, is fundamental basic discipleship. And, you know, and that's also changed the way I've preached the the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Because I think we've preached the Great Commission solely from a position of responsibility, first off. All right. So, you know, this is our responsibility. We're gonna make disciples. But then we've translated making disciples as inviting people to church. Right. Yep. Um, but what we've but what I started thinking about it, I started thinking about the Great Commission more as the right to do something. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is giving me the authority yep. and the right to go plant churches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is, you know, so I was preaching this at a church recently. I don't know if they will ever have me back, but um, I said to them, um, you know, Jesus has already given you the, the authority to go make disciples. You don't need a pastor or a church organization to say to you, you can go do that. Now you already have that. Right. Our job as leaders is simply to equip you to go do that. Yeah. Not to give you the authority to do it because you already have that. Yeah. We're just the equippers. We're yep. just the, Hey, how, do, how can I help you mm-hmm. go do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and that's, that's a subtle change, but I think that's an important change because again, it's not a matter of our people, us giving them permission. It's us actually giving them the tools maybe, or yep. the encouragement, or yep. just the the love to go do something.
3: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Well, um, it's because I'm, how many times have you get people come to you and say, man, it would be great if we had a ministry like this. Yep. And I, right. A hundred like, times. Yeah. yeah yeah, that sounds like something Jesus has called you to do. I yeah, think you should go do it. Go for it. Yeah, go for
0: it. Knock yourself yeah. out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it, th- it makes me think of you know and I shared this in the book and I've podcasted it as well the whole Duns, you know, yeah. group of you know documented group of of people who they're just tired of not being a part of something that's powerful, and right. they're yearning for this. They're they're wanting to be equipped. They're wanting to be sent. Um. And um, because they're typically finding God more when they go and talk with their next-door neighbors than mm-hmm. when they go to a church service. And that should be the way it is, you know, yeah. You know. anyway. but um,
1: Well, and, and if churches don't, the other thing, too, is, like, there's another facet to this, which is that a lot of the younger generation feels a need for genuineness. Yep. That they're not receiving from people on the platform. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the current paradigm and those guys that want to stay in it, the inevitability is they're going to lose more and more connection with a younger generation. And they're going to wonder, why is the generation walking up our church? Well, because that paradigm doesn't work for them anymore. Yep. They don't want a person on a platform telling them what to do.
2: Right. They yep. want
1: someone who's going to rub shoulders with them, cry with them, pray with them, yep. guide them, be in the muck and mire with them, mm-hmm. um, so you know that that's another facet too. That you know, the Duns make up with that some of that change They do as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, we're talking about you know, I've had a friend of mine say like, "No, you are just talking about people who are mad. They got mad at the church and left." I am like, "No, we're talking about elders. We're talking right. about you know, leaders and volunteers who were there in the trenches doing everything. They just got to the point where it's like, you know, I feel like I am just working at Chick fil A." For free. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great and everything, but it's not ultimately fulfilling, you know, a, a massive hole that we all have, which we're all created to do, which is to go and, you know, allow God yeah. to lead us to be uh, his hands and feet instead yeah. of, you know, the hands, all the hands ever do is serve communion or the feet. All they ever do is help people park their cars or whatever. And it's this a much bigger and greater need. And, and, um, yeah, you know, specifically for a, a movement like the church movement, it's really not done much of anything in centuries, you yeah, know? Right. I mean, we've had revivals yeah. here and there, but really in the grand scheme, not really made a whole lot of difference in the world. There's been way more secular movements on our planet that have done way more good yeah. than the church movement kind of has. And it's, it definitely is time for a, um, you know, an an introspective search deeper inside of what we are and what, why are we doing what we're doing, but
1: exactly, yep, um,
0: exactly. And, and a new, a new form of plant, of planting churches too organically, which is what really, like I said before, piques my interest about what you guys are doing and how you're trying to do that. Um, yeah, which is first having, you know, right. honest and conversations.
1: I think, right, and and the thing about it is, it's it, going back to that idea of I've been thinking about the new paradigm. The current paradigm, what I'm trying to ask is, how do we make the church more disciple-centric, mm-hmm. truly disciple-centric, mm-hmm. not service uh, or or program-centric or, right. or this Sunday morning-centric, which right. is where it is? Yep. Um, and being okay with wherever that discipleship-centric thing lands us,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because the simple truth is, is we're failing at the number one job we were given. Yeah. Like, There's only one, we were called to make disciples, period. Right. Nothing else. Sure. You know. Yep. And we're falling down on the one job we have in many ways.
0: Yeah. For a long time. For a long time. And we're, you know, an advanced civilization right now. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, as I told you, I've, I've worked in the business world for, you know, 15 years. And the business world gets it. They try to stay relevant, culturally relevant at at all times. The church just has never, ever even thought about what that means. And and like you said, the one thing we've been tasked to do. Um, Well...
1: Yeah, and I always think of it not to start a whole nother long conversation, but I always think of it the difference between I'm I'm trying to think of this analogy between blockbuster and and uh, Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. I remember when those two things were going off together. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like the church is still trying to operate on a blockbuster Yeah, in sort a building thing. Yep. Building, brick and mortar. Yep. Give us your membership card, come here. Yep. And Netflix blew it out of the water because the Netflix was like, No, you yep. can do things on demand. Yeah. And that right there is one of the, I think, one of the most central, important changes culturally mm-hmm. for us as Americans. We now live in an on-demand kind of world. Yeah. And, um, and what that means, is too, is we want it to fit within our life. Right. Right. And so, again, part of the reason why church is no longer going to be effective is because it, if my life doesn't, I don't want to center my life around it. Like, I've got other stuff.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: And the great thing about discipleship is discipleship is about fitting into the rhythms of life. Right. Not, not bent on one thing. Yeah, Um, and it's on demand. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Um, so now I agree whole, wholeheartedly. I mean, church has done a really, really good job of being, um, self-focused and creating a whole new world for you to be a part of. And that's not organic. Right. And yeah. uh, it eventually just, it comes out. You, you see it eventually. Yep. And um, for me, for one, I'm super grateful that there's organizations like your guys' that are really, you know, seriously doing something about it and, um, you know, striving to, you know, not only organically help it begin in, in certain areas, but to help try to bring about the church as well to get on board and you know, that's a, it's, it's probably a much easier task to get people to go into the inner city and start a church than it is to go and talk to an existing church about even possibly being involved yeah, in right. one way or the other.
1: But Yeah. And and one of the things too, like before we get off, I want it, to make you know, sure people here is like, I love the church. Right. I love it. Yeah. I love the body of Christ. Like, I I still feel a deep calling to it. Like, I don't feel the Lord has released me from that calling right. of helping the church. Um, yeah. Because it's easy for people, I think, sometimes to hear these kind of conversations and they go, Well, these guys just hate the church, man. No, they oh, absolutely. They're just down it. And like, that's the complete opposite.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's actually out of a great love and concern. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. For I've, this. I've told people that too. It's like, if I actually hated the church, I would never mention it in any episode yeah. or any book or any anything I ever did or said. And yep. it is you're absolutely right. There's I do believe there is still a place for church in our world. I'm just tired of the church not being effective. Right. At what right. what exactly. they should be effective at. You know, yep. so exactly. hopefully uh we can solve that problem in the next month, I'm sure, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Uh, gosh. <laughs> we
1: can do it. Yeah, yeah. We can we can change centuries of church mm-hmm.
0: life mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in a matter of yeah. uh, a month. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, one step at a time. That's right, man. Just well, dude, I appreciate your time so much. Thanks. Thank yeah, you so much. I definitely do.
1: I appreciate the opportunity to talk about just church and Jesus and 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 what we're doing at Global City. So I, I believe wholeheartedly in our mission.
0: That's cool. Well, we've come to the end of this episode, and I want to thank my friend Joy Dermeyer for his time and his willingness to share. If you'd like to take a closer look at what they're doing here in the United States, I invite you to go online to globalcitymission.org and read up on everything that they're doing. And of course, I'd like to encourage you to be willing to rethink, research, and rediscover the mysteries of God, the life of Jesus, and the purpose of the ecclesia, which is us. Now, what I'm asking you to do is typically not a very easy task and nor is it popular. And some might even say, all you need to do is go to church and listen to the sermon and your life will be pretty good. But unfortunately, that's just not nearly enough. I encourage you to take a hold of this faith in God with both of your hands. Claim it for your own, investigate God, get to know him on a much deeper level, but just remember that it all starts with a willing spirit to stop and think. If you spend any time learning about this Jesus that we talk about in any of the four books that are dedicated to his life in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you're gonna quickly see that his message revolved around this very same mindset. Stop and think.